This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this virtual qualification meeting. I'm a food addict from Australia, and I'm your leader for this hour. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, Grant me the to accept the things I cannot change. Courage the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I'd like to say thank you for this invitation uh, to qualify and share my story of recovery from food addiction. Uh, my dear sponsor said to me, you can't keep the gift unless you give it away. And for this service, I'm truly grateful. Thank you. I was one of nine children. I was um, yeah, born and raised in a large family of nine children from migrant parents who came to Australia from the ravages of Europe. Uh, we didn't have much. Uh, we, we just made ends meet. We, I had hand-me-down clothes, food that was, you know, leftovers from the local bistro my auntie would bring. But we had enough, we had a roof over our heads and my parents worked very long hours in between those nine children, my mother did. I didn't realise, you know, she was a working mother all those years ago. I'm the fourth child and I was a little mum myself, so I learnt how to cook and clean and do all of those things. I had a lot of responsibility on me, but I had resistance to that too. So in, in that experience... I used to love going to school because I, I achieved at school. I used to hang around school. I didn't want to go home. And I didn't want to go home because whilst there was a lot of, lot of um, goodwill in our house, there was a lot of emotional instability in our family background. The, um, there was a lot of, yeah, emotional ups and downs and I had fear. But what it was for me was that I got a lot of solace staying at school, hanging around. I hung around the teacher's staff room and the nuns would drive me home, we'd sing in the car and they'd give me leftover food. So there's already a connection with that food and wanting to be, you know, um, to, be, to be with people. I liked, um, I liked food. I was always a slim child. Um, I, I, I was, a, you know bit of a favourite. Um, I didn't have a lot of conflict with a lot of people, but my experiences were I'd go to the library on the way home, we'd walk home, I didn't want to go home. There was just this, I did not want to go home because I knew the responsibilities have to start, the cooking, the cleaning, and I would have to be with my family and I didn't really know what moods were going to be in, in the house. And even to this day now, 
after, you know, 10 and a half years of back-to-back abstinence uh, in FA, I am just getting in touch with my emotions. I've got to be really, you know, honest about that. I'm just starting to really see, you know, what placement that has in, in my own recovery. So the uncles would come around and they'd throw their money in the air and we'd run up to the local um, gasoline, you call it petrol station, or just go and buy that sugar product, so I'd just go and buy it. I would, um, I remembered a situation, I had a lot of fear to get into trouble. And one day, you know, we didn't have good cop, bad cop in our family background. We had both, my parents were tough. I had tough, tough, tough. There was, you know, you, you stepped out of line, you got it, you got into trouble. And sometimes it was, you know, you got into trouble before questions were asked. So I had a fear of I didn't like to get into trouble and I didn't like the fear that was associated. I remember one time my dad really got angry and I remember wetting myself. Uh, so that experience, you know, told me something that, uh, you know, just about my reactions to um, heavy-handedness, etc. So as time wore on and I loved being at school, I would, was very envious of my cousins. They had money, we didn't have money, and they'd go to the local shop. And this is where my disease really started to, I started to, I didn't know that of course, FA's helped me to identify that. I started to see parts of me of longing to be like other people, with other people, have what other people have because I didn't have it. So that envy, envy had started. At four years of age, before I went to school, and I was, we didn't have preschool in those days, there were, was a, my grandmother and grandfather used to look after us and I was still on the bottle. Uh, I was still on the bottle at four years of age and it was so soothing, the sucking on the bottle and having that sugar. That, that, that bottle was laced with sugar and boy, did it give me a feeling. It gave me a real comfort. It gave me a sweetness. And then mum said, she's got to go off the bottle because she's got to go to school next year. So, and then it was just the cup. There was not the same effect as the sugar, you know, in the bottle with the cup, you know, it was, you know, it was just not the same. So I, I remembered feeling, I can even remember this now, I've got memories of myself since three years of age. I remembered feeling as though I was getting ripped off. You were going to take something away from me, some comfort, because I didn't feel that comfort, you know. There was a lot of God in our home. There was this dichotomy going on all the time in our place. There was this, um, you know, God is our solace, but then it was like we didn't know you know, how to, we didn't know how to relate. Children were seen and not heard and um, that sort of thing. So my family background has a lot of mental illness in it, you know, classified mental illness. My brother has acute schizophrenia with Asperger's and bipolar. My dad used to have um, mental breakdowns, you know, after the war, several occasions, and he'd confide in me a lot. I was his favourite girl and uh, God rest his soul. But he... I felt for him and I sort of semi-understood him and I saw his, he, he just said, I feel so bad that I can't work at this stage because I've got a breakdown or gone through a breakdown. So I had that, you know, in my, in the home. And then also addictions were, were in our home as well. So I have um, siblings who have a story with alcoholism, um, food addiction, without a doubt, 
and I'm actually married into a family of drug and alcohol-related crime. And, you know, um, God bless my brother-in-law, you know. Um, he, that was the story. So I've had it all around me and I, I was very restless and very uh, confused. Uh, but I knew that if I achieved well, I got my self-worth, my esteem was, was really buoyed, you know, if I, if I did well. So I did do well. And I proved it and I was praised for it and I was given rewards. I was given rewards for that. My, my, um, I always felt different. I don't feel connected. I don't feel like normal. I don't feel like other people. But I didn't really know how other people were supposed to feel. <laughs> I just thought I felt different. I really did. Uh, there was this, this was going on inside of me. The food situation was that I loved the sugar, the flour, because of the ravages and experiences of my parents. If we dropped a flour product in our home, we picked it up and we kissed it because food was sacred. It, you did not throw food, you did not treat food. Food was it. it, it so that's what I did. I'd pick it up, I'd dropped it, didn't intentionally, I'd kiss it because that's, that's the impact that it had. Little did I know how that was going to become poison in my life, how that was going to alter my thinking. It was going to alter my body. It was going to alter my moods. It was just going to alter me, alter me, alter me. And, you know, this program has put me back together again. As I moved on, overnight, something radically changed in my body. Overnight, I was doing a, a course at... Um, school and I just was so addicted to the pure sugar product and I went oh my goodness my stomach's jotted out I've got a belly I, I don't have a belly I'm, I'm, I'm you know because my mother had said to me this is at about 14 15 my mother had said to me at 13 you've got a beautiful figure she was a dressmaker and there was something in our family about you don't get fat you do not get fat she said to me if you stay slim the way you are you're going to be fine but this is with the addicts thinking that kicked in the addicts thinking kicked in and said oh no I'm not going to get fat no way I'm going to control it now so a large part of my story is about control I will control it I'll take the reins I'm in charge I can do this so I started to engage in restrictive practices around food I started to you know mess around and try and find out what was going to get rid of this bloatedness because I hated the bloat and I hated the fatigue that was something very strong in me was the bloat and the fatigue and the and the fatigue of the sugar and the flour the sugar took me up and the flour brought me down up and down up and down up and down and I just go, I can't handle this. I really can't handle this confusion in my life. So I got really bad with the food. I started to engage in practices uh, such as laxative abuse, which my gastroenterologist professor said, you know, is a large part of why I have problems um, down there. I um, also exercise is, is one area of my my, my disease as, as well. In, in that, I think I really hit 
the, I got to my peak with my food addiction at about 22, 23 years of age. 22, I, this, you know, my moral compass was warped. I had an affair with a married man at 22. I was just doing what my friend did. We both did the same thing. And there was this man, I was fat, I was frumpy, and there was this man that gave me a bit of attention. You know, I got a bit of, I got some attention because love and food addiction together, I, you know, when I wasn't thinking about the food, I was thinking about the guys or the love or whatever it was there. So in that experience, it lasted, didn't last too long, but still, I didn't think what was wrong with it. I just, I was, I was, my moral compass was just not there. In that, from there, I, I won a competition in the newspapers. I was going to the city to this diet clinic, no sugar, no flour. It was a, we were sitting around in a circle and I was working at a really swanky um, hotel. I'd moved into the eastern suburbs. You know, I was born and raised in the western suburbs, Sydney. People turn their noses down at you um, from where I came from. I wasn't on the right side of the, of, the, of the street, you know, downtown or whatever. And so when I was working in this particular um, pub in the city when I was sort of in the eastern suburbs, I saw my binge food in the fridge and I was going to this diet clinic and I just said, I'll just have a sliver just have a sliver and that started the worst binge that I had for months and I just put the weight on I packed it on and from you know this great looking body I just got fat and frumpy and my boss said to me said to me you are going to America for your acting um, trip study you are not going to Greece because I had to buy these skirts that were, you know, getting wider and wider. My hips were getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> and that's what he said to me. But he liked me because I was honest and I was a good worker. So he didn't sack me. I thought he was going to sack me because I didn't look hot anymore. So image is something too that's definitely been a part of my story and how you look and um, gave me my esteem and, 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 and my worth in that place. In talking about the physical, I've been overweight, I've been underweight, and now I'm in a right-sized body, you know. I'm um, about five foot three, three and a half, and, and I'm um, about 116, 170 pounds, which is about 52, 53 kilos, you know. So that, that's where I'm at and uh, feels good. I feels good to be in, in, in this right-sized body that I have today and that I surrendered that the day. The day I came in FA, the weight lifted off my shoulders. I was, um, I felt like my food and my weight was no longer my business. That, that was a big, you know, part of um, relief for me. Yeah, it was a big part of relief. So I've tried many, many things. I was... Um, in commercial weight loss programs, I tried the medical fraternity, all different areas of that, psychology, seen a psychologist for 15 years, psychiatry, uh, counselling. I tried, um, you know, other therapies like acupuncture, skin art therapy, you name it, hypnotherapy, many, many different alternate therapies. A bookshelf, I've got a book 
shelf full and full of plethora of books, you know, how to, how to change, how to empower myself, how to heal the inner child. I did all of those things, lots of, lots of workshops um, on different things, but I couldn't stop eating. I could not stop. And because I'm a stop starter, the only one of those 20 questions that I'm not is I didn't nibble all day. But every other question is me, secret eating, you know, restricting, you know, um, having people mention things to me, you know, just all the aspects that go with, with, with food addiction, you know, I've definitely got that inside of me. That's why I know I qualify. It was every waking moment I was obsessed with the food. How was I going to control it? How was I going to eradicate it? How was I going to get rid of it? So there's just some of the things that I, that I, that I tried I spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh, trying to, to fo you know, forage my way through to finding some sort of success. And when I was a little girl, my dad popped into an AA meeting and he came home and he said, you know, something about it. And here I was at 23 years of age and I was so, um, I was down. I was really, really down. I could not stop. I had quit work. I couldn't cope with life anymore. I, my dad remembered he, that he said something about AA and there was a little ad in the local paper about another fellowship, yeah, about an, another food program and I kept it. And then on July the, 30, yeah, July the 30th, I was at home, depressed, down, binging, my, binging and binging and binging and then I said, I'm going to ring up this particular place where you ring like you feel suicidal, you know, you, the, the hotline. You feel. I rang them up and I said, I cannot stop eating. You know, I should be out there tripping the light fantastic and having a good time with my friends, but I was isolating and down. And the lady was so beautiful. She didn't say to me, oh, don't worry, it's only food. She treated me really seriously. She said, oh, there's some... There's a meeting for you on Monday night. On the 1st of August, I turned up to 12-step recovery in 1983 and I've been around, you know, and I walked in. There was only a couple of us there. It was, I saw the steps. I go, what the heck is this moral inventory? But I felt home. And in FA, I am home, sweet home. This is my home. These are you are my people. I really do feel like I, I, I belong you know, here. And I'm very grateful for the other um, food programs that I tried. I tried several because they helped me to start to see who I am. And 12 steps is just meant for me. It's just what God ordered for this food addict. I really, really believe it. And, and I keep growing and keep changing and, you know, just keep, keep moving forward through, through this program. So I stayed there for a long time and I'd heard about service and I got involved on an intergroup level in service, but I was eating, I was binging, I was under the influence of my drug. I was, how was I able to make good decisions? How was I able to do the right? I was, I felt really lost and alone. So I left that for a little while, I went to a, a counsellor psychologist and he said to me, um, I said, I don't want to label myself anymore because I'd gone to so many different groups and I found myself labeling and I found, no, I'm not, I'm, 
don't label me anymore. It's derogatory. I don't want to be labelled. This was my, you know, that negativity that lived within me. But I, I left that. I went back and I joined another 12-step program for friends and relatives of, you know, other addicts. And I, but I focused on the addicts. I didn't focus on me. I didn't focus on me. This program makes me focus on me. Every day I have to focus on who I am, what's going on for me. Yeah. Then I, um, I suppose, yeah, that's what happened. So I'd, and then I'd heard about FA because in Australia it wasn't FA in another program, you know, being born. It was FA came and the other program was simultaneously being done. And I was in the other program. And I popped into FA in 2006 and I went, I ran out the back door, said, no way am I going to that program because in 1990, I, I was going to meetings every day in Rhode Island. I was nannying in America and I was white knuckling it and weighing and measuring my food and going to restaurants, weighing and measuring my food with members. And, it, you know, and I just knew the pain of white knuckling it. So I thought, I just don't want to white knuckle it. Weighing and measuring means I'm going to white knuckle it. But God was good to me. I, um, I went down, down, down. I started to get the food back out of retrieving the food back out of the bins again. I started to put the weight back on. I'd lost all control. You know, I, I was just powerless. I had to get to that place again, promising myself I'd wake up in the morning. The first thing I was doing was eating the food back out of the bins so demoralising and so sick. And that was it. You've got to get to FA. You've got to get an after a binge. You know, I tried to go to back to my commercial lifetime membership at another program that I was in. And I, I then went and rang up. It was a good Friday. Turned out to be horrible, but, it, you know, it was started out and then it turned out to be the best day. Friday night I went to a meeting and there it was, you know, and I went, that's it, I'm starting it. Uh, and I asked someone to sponsor me and they said to me, do not go through the drive through on the way home. When I was doing drive throughs I actually would eat and eat. I'd buy the sweet, I'd buy the salty to counteract the sweet and I'd chuck the rubbish out as I'm driving on the, on the highway, on the freeway, whatever, motorway. That's what I would do. They're the sort of, you know, reckless things that I, I would do. Mm. So I started the program and in starting that program, I wanted the high of the program. I really wanted to be happy all the time. Um, I wanted to, I felt really good. I had a honeymoon period for three months. Um, I loved getting up there. I loved cross-talking in my shares after three months. I loved you know, people pleasing because that's a part of my disease is people pleasing because of my low esteem. Uh, I, I wanted attention. I started to look really good. Um, I wanted to be everything for everybody. And I started to see people in the program who really had something different and who worked this program, you know, a bit tighter. I was working at Pretty, I did everything I was told, but I had to go to another level. God had to take me to higher ground. You know, there's something was there. 
And I thought, oh, I don't know if I really want to do all these tools every day. You know, I just, oh, can I do a bit? You know, there was this, because in other programs I'd hear, take what you want and leave the rest. That fed my self-will. That's not a good one for this food addict. Take what you want and leave the rest. No way. I need guidance where I am, you know, letting go of my willfulness and I am with God working with my sponsor in the fellowship. I can't be self-sponsoring myself. So I was very clear on that. And, you know, it works for me, really does. In that experience, those early days, I just did it. I just go to my three committed meetings, uh, do my calls. Um, when I was asked to do extra things, I did it. I just did it because that was the insurance policy for me not to pick up. I had, FA was the last bastion from day one. By the grace of God, I've been abstinent ever since day one. It was it. I knew if I picked up the food, I didn't know if I ever had a comeback. It was the last fought for me across the prairies. I just, I had to, I really had to just, you know, really do this. Put my bedroom slippers on and uh, I did that. Cancelled my holiday. You know, just had to become humble and be willing to get the cotton wool out of my ears and stick it in my mouth and, you know, just do, you know, do these, these, these wonderful practices, these life-saving, life-giving practices as they are today. I've got a lot of benefits out of um, FA, a real lot of benefits. I didn't realise how sick I was. I didn't realise that I had sickness, a, a threefold disease. Um, I did not, I knew physically that I, you know, the fatigue and the bloat was gone, the creepy, scratchy, crawly, you know, skin irritations from sugar, you know, the health professional who said this girl to his other clients, this girl is like a heroin addict on sugar. I've never seen anyone like her. And, uh, I would want to rip my skin off, rip my gums out. That's what, you know, sugar was like for me. So I know it's very fierce and uh, very, very potent. In coming into FA, it's really the best thing that's ever happened for me. It truly is and um, it just really is. I've had great guidance really great guidance. I'm very grateful to my sponsors who could see in me and who, you know, stuck with me in the good days and the not so good. So what I've learned in FA is that I had to deal with accept pain and I would eat because I didn't want to feel pain physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. I've had to go deep. This program has invited me to a deep way to go really deep into my soul and to really connect with God and to really get to know myself. I've, I've had to let go of the distractions in my life that have kept me away from that deep connection with God. I 
had had no idea how to big fear base. I came in. I kept hearing about fear, doubt, and insecurity. I said, stop talking about fear, doubt, and insecurity. I don't have fear. <laughs> I don't have fear. Five months abstinent, I'm on my bed in fetal position. So fearful that I was going to be rejected. Fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of not being loved, fear of not being liked, fear, fear, fear. And what happened for me in that experience was I knew I had to go to another level. The medication for me was to take the edge off my life, to, for me to be able to, you know, do things, to I couldn't even drive under the tunnels. Um, I was so scared and it, and it became progressive. So this is the progressive nature of the disease. The food, it's obvious, but this part of me I did not know. And I trusted, went to another level with it all and let it go, did it, you know, in, in a safe way. Felt weird um, because I had to start being comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's what I had to start being. And I started to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, <sighs> just like now. I'm just being, trying to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, so that fear, yeah, I, I call it for me, you know, I just call it for me a, a distraction and a sidestep and, you know, did I want to go to a deeper, richer, you know, relationship with God and I did and I lean more into God now and this is so good for me because this week the overwhelm came up for me in my job, in my profession. Two days in a row, the tears were coming in my eyes. I got told one more, uh, one more thing, one more thing. I just wanted to cry. I felt my chest getting tight and it was okay because I just asked God for help. I was genuine. I spoke to my colleagues about where I was at and it, God took it away from me. It was just so beautiful. I, I love, I love, love that you know that experience you know that I have. My relationships have really improved. I'm no longer. I'm proud to say I have graduated. I'm no longer a married single woman. I am actually a married woman because <laughs> I was the type that would flip flat. I want to do it my way. I want to just be invited, do everything, and I actually am now got a marriage, which I would actually say is that my husband comes first before my friends. That, that's, and my relationship with my mother, there's a thread of, of, of a history with my mother, but I want to tell you this beautiful story. And that is that when I made my amends with my mother two years ago in the AWOL, she said, you know, for stealing money out of a drawer, you know, for she's screaming at her and her ripping the food out of me and me fighting and she said I hit her <gasps> I just when I didn't even know that I did that oh my goodness that's where the disease took me and I I said to her you know I gave her my amends and she said to me thank you and she said thank you for all the good you do for the people in your program and every time I'd go overseas to the World Service Business Convention and go and see my sponsor in Chelsea, she'd say, go and thank your sponsor from me because they're both the same age. It was a really interesting relationship. 
She said, go and say thank you to your sponsor from me for what she has done for you. And I went, wow, okay. She felt powerless. She told me, I don't know what to do with you. I cannot, you know, I just, I cannot help you at all. Work, I learned about resentments in work. Eight months in my job, I was co-leading with a coordinator and we had a big disagreement. I said, ah, he's an alcoholic. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I was so resentful. Got out another plan. I stayed there another two and a half years, right? I oh, don't worry. At eight months abstinent, I put in for another position somewhere else and that was not meant to be. That was not meant to be. And he, <laughs> and, and, you know, I ended up getting invited to his wedding and everything, but I had this resentment because I'm, I'm a food addict. I've got resentments, anger. I've got all these aspects in me, you know, judgment, criticism. Oh, I've got these things. And I, I got through that. I've got through resentments with colleagues just by saying, can I help you? And then it gets removed with prayer, you know, in, in doing that. So I've, you know, I've had good, good experiences. You know, I've had operation in recovery. I've been through, you know, the passing of um, family in recovery. I've um, had, you know, different experiences for sure, but I haven't eaten. And my sponsors say there is not one excuse to pick up that food. Not one. Do not eat. Do not eat. And today I know that's the most important thing that can ever come past me. And when I came in, I remembered, I imagined, I remembered hearing about a story in um, the Gulf of Texas, big cyclone Katrina, how this woman stayed abstinent. This is years ago. And I went, if she can, you know, and I'm left with one piece of something, I am not going to eat that flower product that will get thrown out of that helicopter. <laughs> this is what I used to do. This is what I used to imagine myself. I'm going to be willing to go to any lengths not to pick up that flour, sugar and quantities. It wasn't until last year I realised I was a quantities person. Hello, I'm a huge binger. But the denial and the blind spots, you know, they're there. So I just want to say that in this program, I feel that I am complete. I'm not cured, but I am complete with this program. That, that God working through those three areas, I am with God, my sponsor, the fellowship, my tools, and my AWOL. I really do feel that. And, you know, I no longer, I no longer have to, you know, stuff my face. I face my stuff every single day. Those tears in my eyes the other day, I faced it. I said I asked for help, you know, but I moved forward and God's always there for me. And if you're a newcomer, you're struggling, stick with it. It really, it really is a golden program. I'm very grateful for it today. Thank you for the opportunity. God, God. grant me the serenity, the serenity to accept things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom, wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.